everybody. Welcome to Hey Watch This. I'm Paul Goebel. I'm David Bax. Uh, welcome back. We took the week off last week because uh, it was kind of a sad day. Yeah. And uh, we didn't feel like recording, so... Um, and it's still sad, and, uh, you know, hopefully something can be done about this, you know. Uh, the filibuster seems like a good start, and they made him take a vote, and... You know, my friend Brock Wilbur, my partner on the Bottle Episode podcast, posted this yeah. thing about on his Facebook about how 95% of all the money and effort of LGBTQ uh, charities and organizations has gone to marriage equality. Mm-hmm. That was their focus. And, he, and, and, that's, and, it, and it happened because all of them, whether you're trans or gay, man, woman... Old, young, whatever, black, white, they all concentrated on this marriage equality thing. And it happened. And, it, and he was saying, that's got to be the only answer for gun control. If And basically on a bigger scale, if all the special interests who have, you know, whether it's the anti-vaxxers or people who think schools should be better mm-hmm. or, uh, uh, you know... I don't know, fucking animal activists. They all, everybody needs to focus on gun control because that's the only way then there will be a majority. That's the only way that then all those people can lobby for gun control and the politicians will be forced to say, sorry, NRA, I have to listen to these people now. They're more powerful, right? Yeah, yeah. But the only way for that to happen is for basically every liberal organization to put aside their primary effort... Whether it's, you know, like I said, equal rights for black people or whatever, which are all important, obviously. Okay. And then agree that their secondary motivation is gun control, and they all agree on that. What, what are your thoughts so on that? So we need that? to get some sort of convention where the heads of every liberal special interest group get together. <laughs> right. And they create a priority chart. Right? And so the thing is, we're all going to work on gun control. Number one, gun control. Tied for second (laughs) is literally everything else that we care about. And then third is women's rights, of course. (laughs) Right. And all the way at the bottom, we could just keep saying, yeah, anti-vaxxers, we'll get to you. We'll get to you, I promise. (laughs) We'll get to you. we won't ever get to them. No, but we do need them on our team. They're apparently a very loud organization. But uh, it's funny because he posted it as like, this is the bleakest thought I've ever had or the most, you know, brilliant, coherent thought I've ever had. And and I was like, "Eh, I kind of agree with that. But I guess because he's your age, you know, I don't consider things like that bleak. I consider them just realistic, really. I mean, do you do you feel that way? I mean, considering this past, you know, election cycle and fucking everything that's happened this year, it's 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 something nobody could have ever predicted. I don't see that thought process as bleak at all. I think it, I see it as kind of like pragmatic and even hopeful. Okay, yes, as as do I. So, I don't know, maybe Brock's got stars in his eyes. I think he's actually younger than you, so. If you can imagine. <laughs> maybe that's it, so. <laughs> he's just a boy. So, he's just um, a boy. Moving on. Okay. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Yeah, and happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there, uh, especially those of you who are whatever, childless or just can't be around your kids Today, mm-hmm. uh, I posted that thing on on Twitter because I know people are like, because this happens all the time where somebody will say, I saw this guy and his kid today and he kept staring at his phone and I was talking to his kid or this guy was letting his kids run around. And I always want to say, 
Yeah, what you don't know is this is his one day with his kids, and this kid is a constant reminder of his failed marriage. <laughs> so cut him a break. Yeah. And, and on Father's Day, when you see an old man who's old enough to be a father, and he's not with his kids, there's probably <laughs> a very sad story behind that. Well, now, I'm 33. Uh-huh. I'm old enough to be a father. Sure. In fact, by the time... You probably are. <laughs> I probably most certainly am not. <laughs> by the time my dad was... My age, he had like four kids. Yeah. Um, but if someone if someone sees me and takes pity on me, I wouldn't consider you to be mis- an old man. Misplaced. Okay. You're not an old but man. I am, but, I, but you're phrasing your the words you said were old enough to be a father, and I am more oh. than old enough to be a father. Yes, I mean like an old man. You see it, and also if he looks sad, you don't often walk around looking sad. You don't know that. Yeah, you <laughs> usually have a serious look on your face or a smile, and you're the kind of person that when you pass someone on the street and make eye contact, you smile and nod or whatever. Right? I guess it depends on where it is. I mean... But you don't look up mournfully at them <laughs> with big eyes and, yeah, and sniff <laughs> and sob and walk away. He's <laughs> a sad old man. You know that guy's having a bad Father's yeah. Day. Uh, so it's the summertime and a lot of new shows have started because there's... You know how they do with the summer. Yeah, yeah. Have you watched any of them? Any new shows? Yeah. No. Uh, well, well I, here's it. Actually, kind of. Yeah. So Unreal has started. Oh yeah, I've so, been watching the first season. So I, I, I am. I have, I have watched nine of the first ten episodes. Of it's the first so season. good, right? Let me tell you. Okay. <laughs> it is very good. Yeah. It's about these two characters, and they're great. I actually, I also really like Adam the Suitor. Yeah. I think I do have some problems in terms of the plot. Because sometimes I can't tell if the show wants to be a satire, and that's why things that are crazy happen, or if it's supposed to be this, what it is most of the time, which is a pretty dark and realistic drama. And And a commentary on reality TV. And it's asking us, I think, there's a saying, I don't know where it comes from, but like in terms of like screenwriting or when when you're telling a story, that you get one buy. You get, there's one (laughs) thing that you can sell the audience that's implausible, but they'll it's you know one per story you right, get, right, right. and that's the one they'll say, okay, well this is the movie that I'm watching, so that's why, or in this case, a TV show I'm watching this way. And I feel like in the first season, talking the character of Anna into coming back to the show the day after her father's funeral, mm-hmm. that was the one buy for me. Okay. So then a few episodes later, when you've got this insane storyline with the the one producer switching out the meds with placebos and the they spring the woman's abusive ex-husband on her and then she throws herself off the building. It's like, <laughs> yes. that episode was so... I know it's supposed to be, like, in many ways, the emotional peak of the season because it's the most devastating thing that happens. Yeah. But as that episode went on, I just kept going, like, come on. <laughs> it's too like, much for you. Yeah, and, and, and <laughs> it's gotten... Now I'm, well, I've watched a few episodes after that and it's trying to get back into its rhythms. And yeah. when I can put that out of my mind... I'm into it, but there's a part of me that is just like, I'm never gonna. Huh. <laughs> I, I can't be fully on board. No, I hear you. With That's interesting. Anymore. <clears throat> well, also, I, I I haven't watched. I, I I've only watched the one episode past where she jumps out the window. So I I okay. I'm not to that point yet. But first of all, the first thing that you said is a buy. I was totally down with because it wasn't that she just convinced her. It was that she used her brother to convince her. And it was 
To me, it wasn't so much a buy as it was an illustration of just how awesome Shiri Appleby is at her job. Okay. You know, like in the first episode, literally every single person says, what the fuck are you doing here? Uh-huh. And even, uh, uh, what's his name? Craig Bierko, yeah. who's a big producer, says, you're so fucking lucky that it was good for the show for you to be crazy. Otherwise, you'd be in fucking prison. Yeah. You know, none of them want her there. But then... Except for Quinn, yeah. Yeah, but then by the end of the first episode, they're all like, oh, I get it. I still hate you, but I see why you're here. Yeah. And and then it just goes from there. I think that's just one more thing that shows how great she is at her job. To me, I, I wouldn't consider it a buy. I would consider I, the okay. woman killing herself more of the buy. <laughs> I, feel, I feel safe complaining about the show because I'm working from a baseline of, yes, we all understand that this is really good television. Yeah. So I'm still giving this a B, B plus. Okay. But it's not, I, I feel like it's, it has more problems than I was led to believe by the show's very vocal fan base. Yeah. I'm glad I'm watching it, but there are some problems. The other one is this character, Jeremy. I don't know if he's in the second season. Who's the, he, the gay the, guy? No, the, um, the, the, the DP, the camera guy. Who's, oh, her who's boyfriend? Like, on he is, it's not the actor's fault, he's doing a fine job. He is the worst character. <laughs> because, like, I don't understand what any woman sees in him, much less the makeup girl and Rachel, yeah. because he's needy and manipulative in a way that yeah. makes him... In, like, he's coming across as, like, the nice guy who's, like, you know, real and emotionally available, but he's really just a piece of shit who has Kinda, a yeah. lot of his own issues to work out. Well, like, the fact that he had this fling with Rachel and then decided, in, in you know, in the pre-season one, yeah. This fling, based on that, decided, like, like completely fell for her and was willing to move away. And then when she left, he gets, like, starts dating and becomes yeah. engaged yeah. to another girl in less than a year. And yeah. they move in together. Yeah, And then I, I he's, agree. like, also not, clearly not into her at the same time. Like, this is a guy who, yeah. I think, has real, he has the opposite well, and of he, and- uh, intimacy issues. He's, like... <laughs> He can't deal without being yeah. intimate they with call, someone. They call that uh, someone who... That's like a love addict is what that is. Or love slash sex addict. Yeah, yeah and, and I then, think he's kind of manipulative. And in he order cheats to get on her at one yeah, point. Yeah. And, yeah, so I, my pro, I, I just think he's underwritten. Clearly this is... Uh, I mean, in simplest terms, this is a chick show. And <laughs> the few dudes that... I mean, like you said, Adam the Batch, the suitor, yeah. and Craig Bierko are great characters but clearly that's all they have for dudes you know what I'm saying they're right they're writing these female leads so well right. and all the and also giving like all the girls the bachelorettes whatever they are yeah. such great characters yeah. just the fact that there are two well-written male characters is a big deal I think because all the other male characters are underwritten that black guy he's a fucking two-dimensional character that it, yeah, and if his in idiot any, in friend any scene, he's either the black guy or the gay guy right? the show needs him to be so bad. as opposed to a character yeah, and then like character. Adam's buddy on that one episode his English friend oh yeah it was like oh this is the guy who's horrible and something really bad is gonna happen and he was just there to make Adam look good because up until then he seemed like a douchebag right. you know <laughs> yeah it was yeah it's just underwritten I'll say this I as I started watching the show I realized oh this is the new Melrose place that's okay. what it is. It's set in a real world, but it's fucking crazy. The real circus is behind the scenes. That's basically what Melrose Place was. Look at how the, all these young... What it became, actually. Look at all these young, beautiful professionals. They're fucking crazy. Yeah. They're all nuts. And that's kind of what I see. I mean, Craig Bierko, again, he's the guy's in charge of everything. But he's got the worst life of any of them. 
You know what I mean? I mean, some people might think that's great, but his He's life got a is. Cute dog. <laughs> All right, and that's that. That's pretty much good enough for you. It's not good enough, but it's something. Well, uh, so your life could be in complete chaos, but as long as you had a cute dog, you'd be able to get through it. No, but I'd have something to build on. Okay, so you couldn't just have right. this the the no, cute dog. I could dog. not just have a cute dog. But, but you're I, saying if you didn't have a cute dog, you might just give up. I might lose hope. Yeah, but you, you know, you look <laughs> in the eyes of a cute dog. All right, now tell me this. God forbid, knock wood, you and Mrs. Howell part for whatever. Let's say, and I don't even want to, I I hesitate to say this out loud, but let's say she passes away at an early age. Okay. (laughs) And of course, it will be devastating for you. Yeah. And all your close friends. And, uh, and of course, she's going to die in some heroic way while she's working at a Planned Parenthood and it uh-huh. explodes. Oh, and other people will die, too. So you're now in the, uh, the, the horrible position of being super sad, but also not wanting it to be about you. Okay. Because, okay. of course, when people say to you, oh, I'm so sorry, you go, no, no, no. No. Other people died and there were women there trying to get help and they're dead. It's not a, certainly not about me. Yes, I'm sad my wife is gone, but there are bigger things to do here because that's the okay. guy you are. That's the kind of guy I am. So that's where you're starting from. Okay. Pretty fucking bleak. Yeah. Speaking for myself, I'm out. As soon as I read on the news that happened, done. I fucking drive off a cliff. But... <laughs> you, you, have, you have two kids. So what? <laughs> that, you, that's, that's two more reasons to drive off the fucking cliff. I can't do this on my own. Uh, so, But you're saying as long as you had that old blind dog that you guys have... He's not blind. Dude. He's fine. Okay, as long as you have that old crippled dog that He's you guys have... He's not either. He's just old. <laughs> and... He's a little skinny. Okay, as long as you have that old mangy skinny dog that you guys have. Sometimes he has a little bit of trouble going upstairs. If if you were able to come home after all of this to that dog, you'd be able to press on. Yeah. Wow. That must be great. I wonder what that's like to be able to have that much hope that all you need is a dog (laughs) to get you through the fucking day. Well, I guess when you're a young man like myself. That's true, and not a father either. Uh Um, I also watched... Let's see. What were we supposed to watch last week? Oh, yeah. This is... Uh, I mean, obviously what happened in Orlando was tragic. But the other, <laughs> the other tragedy is that I had to watch Feed the Beast. Oh. And didn't even get to talk about how terrible yeah, it was. Yeah, well, let's talk about it. Because Brooke watched the pilot with me, too. Oh. And it's funny, that show. Because it's it's like... Um, it, it is a lot like Breaking Bad. There's all because there's literally a cooking scene in every episode, <laughs> right. and sometimes an eating scene. So it's based on Breaking Bad, and those are shot really well. It's like if you're a foodie in the second episode, uh, John Donen comes to do a tasting because uh-huh. they want him to invest in the restaurant, right. and they do it just like a pairing thing. They got the food, and for every for every course, David Schwimmer says we paired this with a blah 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 blah. blah. And they do the whole thing, beginning to end. And I was like, man, if I was like a foodie jagoff who thought this stuff was cool, <laughs> yeah. this would be a great show. Because they do that whole thing, plus there's other cooking type stuff in it. So it's like, that is done on a, like a Breaking Bad level. The problem is, everything else is underwritten and... Lazy, some, full some of cliches. Yeah. And What's it... Uh- uh, who's the Michael Gladys character? Yes, is the worst cartoonish, cartoonish villain. Yeah, right. And it like, so doesn't fit in the world they think they're trying to build here. It's almost yeah. They they it. I would say they 
you know, if I was being generous, I'd say they kind of vacillate between the two worlds, but they don't even do that. It's two different shows. There's this cartoonish crime, because also the cop, this cartoonish crime uh, story to it that, you know, he's caught in the middle of between this cop and this criminal. And then you didn't see this, but, you know, the lawyer he bangs in the very first episode. Yeah, I was already ready. To, I was like, if I'm, yeah, it's pretty I, terrible. Because, of course, she's the most beautiful lawyer in the fucking world. Right. And it's she wants to bang him right there. She can't even wait. Yeah, that's the such is his power. Is right. The, yeah. But she's actually that cop's daughter. We find out two okay. episodes later. So it's even worse now. And I'll give like Schwimmer's great. Uh, all the stuff about his wife dying and his kid not talking. See, I, I mean... I, I like that. I like that he has... I mean, the backstory... I think... I buy that this is a guy who's mourning his wife. I think the idea of a kid who hasn't talked since his mom died seems like a screenwriter's cliche. Yeah. Again, that's part of the laziness. Yeah. And that kid's not a good actor. And uh, John Donan is good in the scenes. He's There's like a scene in the second episode between him and Schwimmer where he sees bruises on his kid from the bully... Uh-huh. But he assumes his dad did it. So he runs over to his dad's house and says, Did you hit my kid? And John Donan's in the chair and he goes, What if I did? <laughs> and they get into a big-ass fight. And he, even though John Donan's in a wheelchair, he kicks his ass and pulls a gun on him. And I was like, That was fucking great. You know, and then later, and he's like, Why didn't you just tell me that you didn't hit him? He said, I wanted to see what you would do. And I'm like, This is the fucking show, this relationship between these two guys. Everyone else, and especially the guy playing the chef, such a fucking caricature. Like when there's, I don't know if it was in the first or second episode, but there's like a montage where him and the kid are at the market buying shit, and he's putting his arm around him and rubbing his hair, and hey, I'm juggling peppers, hey, grab one, oh, it's like. You fucking! If they had cut out all the food and the montages and shit, it would be like a half-hour shitty crime yeah. drama. It it it's weird because half it's the show speaking, is great. That guy also is doing the most obvious fake American accent. Um, yes, because he's overdoing his New York accent. Yeah, yeah. But you know, even though David Schwimmer apparently was born and raised in New York City, has no accent whatsoever. None. Like he has the most Midwest accent ever. <laughs> Where's David Schwimmer from? In real life. I think he's from Chicago. Well, I know you know he oh, had, yeah. he started looking glass theater in Chicago, That's so, right, so he's got to be from the Midwest. But also, um, he's a big stage guy, and you learn to get rid of all your accents right. when you do that. Uh, can, I, can we go back to uh, John Donan in the uh, yeah do, uh, Domin? Domin, right? Oh, okay. I think John Donan is someone else. Maybe I know it's John Dornan. Oh, who's that? I don't know. I just know it's a guy. <laughs> okay. Um, can I just point uh, a pet peeve of mine? Uh, oh, David Schwimmer was born in Queens. Wow. Oh, we moved to Los Angeles when he was two. So, that's <laughs> oh, there you go. So okay. Um, okay, in the first episode, the John Doman or whatever, his introduction scene. Yeah. He's eating breakfast and giving a uh, monologue, right? right? And then his monologue's over, and he's like, all right, time to go. He's only eaten like two bites of his entire breakfast. Yeah. And he leaves. This stuff happens in TV and movies yeah. all the time. Yeah. Like, when the scene is over... People get up and leave, leaving more than half of their plate. That doesn't happen in real life. Well, as much as I love Seinfeld, I it drives me crazy when they're at monks. Whenever they leave monks, because there's always like a sandwich and a half and mm-hmm. like a bowl of soup, just like full on their yeah. tables. And they, it, it's something that I don't understand why. I'll tell you exactly why. First of all, it, in Seinfeld's different because monks is like in every episode. But usually, if people are, I, I'm okay with it in a restaurant. 
like where people are having a conversation because many times you don't go there to eat you go there to talk you know and if you're not hungry i don't know if you've paid for your food (laughs) take it with you but i like it when (laughs) that's what i want to see i like it when they write it in when it's like you know okay the guy sits down what do you want and he's like oh have a cup of coffee can i can she get you anything? He's like, no, I'm fine. Or just coffee. Uh-huh. I Just write that yeah, in. Yeah, just yeah. put a couple scenes in. Whereas the other guy is like, oh, I can't eat all this. Like, uh, Copland. Um, there's I a scene. Seen it in a while. I like that movie, though. There's the, there's the, it's the second part with Robert De Niro when <clears throat> uh, Stallone comes to see him and says, what are you going to do? And that's the part from the trailer where he's like, uh, I gave you a chance hands. to be a real cop and you blew it. You tied my hands. <laughs> but in that scene, there's this other guy, De Niro's partner or buddy in, this, in the office with him. And he's got a sandwich. And he's always like, hey. And in there talking. And he goes, you want half of this? And he hands it to the other guy. <laughs> there you go. Problem solved. So even if you take two bites out of a half a sandwich, that's better. And like, oh, I'm full. But then you, if you have another half sandwich, that's too much. But I'm saying, but just this, write it in. In this scene for Feed the Beast... Why not start the scene with an already almost finished plate yeah. of food? The problem I mean? is it's just too difficult because you're not just dealing with continuity and, you know, the way the food looks and the acting and all, but you also are dealing with the actors getting full. And it's and many times it's really a skill like on the Sopranos, a show like that. I saw this interview with the guy who played Johnny Sack and he said We've all learned to just carbo load or, or power eat all day, like mostly protein, because when all this shit gets put in front of us, we have to eat it. So we don't want to get low, like, oh, here's a hamburger and with a big ass bun and stuff. And then they sit in front of this big plate of spaghetti yeah. and they literally cannot put it in their mouth because they're so full or just it's making them sick. So that's a big deal. Laura Silverman told me they did that on the Sarah Silverman program. You know how they would always have brunch? Okay, oh yeah. And so when that was the first scene of the day, they were like, hello, pancakes. Right. When it wasn't the first scene of the day, they kind of nibbled at their hash browns. That so, place is closed, by the way. That, um, oh, really? It was on um, it was on Wilton or St. Andrew. It was... Uh, it was in Valley Village, wasn't it? Uh, no, it was in Hollywood. Oh, okay. It was at Fountain... Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I thought that's what it was, at Fountain and, and Wilton or St. Andrew. Oh, I wasn't... Anyway. I didn't know where it was. But that's, it's just hard to do, but I could see it being a pet peeve. It's like the whole not saying goodbye when you hang up the phone thing. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we all, know, we all know now why they do that, just because they don't. Just because they said, if every script I wrote had a person saying goodbye in it, you'd fucking get tired of it. And you'd say, why is everybody saying goodbye? Just hang up the phone. I hate when people make plans and say, okay, I'll see you tonight, and never say when or where. Yeah. That's what happens in movies. Well, they should say, all right, I'll text you the address. Click. There you go. There right? you go. That's, um, well, that's the difference between good and lazy writing. And also, I think there's a... I was reading an interview in Entertainment Weekly with um, Sam Esmail, the creator of Mr. Robot, uh-huh. and, talk, and talking about... I think there is a lag between... I think there are so many screenwriting conventions that come from us not having cell phones and laptops all the time. Yeah, yeah. There's a lag in the way that these things are actually... Uh, the movies and TV people don't characters still don't in ha- movies and TV haven't an entirely adjusted to a world where we're all connected all the time. Yeah, and it's been so, it's been weird how long it's taken shows um, to catch up. But That's one true. other thing uh, I want to point out, and you can look this up. I can't remember who now. I, I can't remember who it is who does it, but there's a a, a blogger who um, takes like screenshots or little videos of uh, whenever someone in a TV show is holding a coffee cup, like a paper like to go coffee cup that's clearly empty 
Yeah. You know, like apparently that's that just like an empty coffee cup is like a prop. Right. And so I was like the scenes where like uh, I think it was what's her name from Silicon Valley, the the one woman on the show. Yeah. Um, was like holding like three things at once and like barely holding her coffee cup with like her pinky finger. And it's like you, clearly that's empty. And there was another uh, one where a guy like funny. like looked at his watch and if his coffee cup had been full, he would have poured coffee on his baby. Jeez. Uh, you should look that up. It's, it's Is very it Tumblr, fun. something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Um, all right, so that's Feed the Beast. We talked about it. I also watched the first episode of Brain Dead, the CBS oh, yeah? miniseries. I don't. That one is again. It's much like Feed the Beast in the sense that it's shot. It's all light and funny, and yet it's an alien abduction story. Uh-huh. There's these ants from outer space that are entering people's ears and causing their brain to squeeze out their head. And they're taking them over, and uh, it's very strange, but I'll tell you exactly what happened. The producers of The Good Wife said Uh to CBS, when uh, Josh leaves the show, we're done. We want to wrap it up. We're thinking of killing him, and that's the end of the the series. And CBS said, no! (laughs) What will it take for you to keep this show on three more seasons? And they said, well, we have this idea for a show that's fucking stupid, but it might be good. Okay. And that's what this is. And CBS said, we'll put it on in the summer. Whatever you want to do, but we'll put it on in the summer. It's got a great cast. Tony Shalhoub and like all the Aaron Veet, that guy from Les Mis. Okay. And uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who's oh, yeah. delightful. Like Danny Pino. Um, uh, 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 there's someone else. Who's uh, uh but it's it's a Washington it's all set you know in Washington and mm-hmm. and it's current it's based on this election year it's basically says you know talking about Trump and Hillary in the convention and how some people honestly set thought the median uh, IQ of the world of America was going down mm-hmm. and they, that's where it starts apparently it's because of that asteroid that landed in Russia you remember uh-huh. I do remember that. It had aliens in it and it made people oh. stupid wow that's, I didn't know it was so yeah right it's, it's actually based yeah so it's kind of neat but that on the other hand it seems like it's trying to just be lighthearted about it all and I don't know that it's all that it is all that funny it's that's safe funny. it's saved by the you know performances like especially Tony Shalhoub you know, who's really... Because he starts out as this alcoholic Republican jagoff, and then the ants take over, and he's like, no, I'm good. And he's focused, you know. It just makes everybody kind of on a on an even keel. But I only saw one episode. I'll keep watching. I also watched Animal Kingdom on TNT, okay. which is... They shot that in some of that in my neighborhood. Yeah? You know, whenever you... Uh, they put those notice of filming things on, they have to put what the production yeah. is. It was on my morning dog walking around. <laughs> It's it's obviously based on the movie with Jackie Weaver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? I saw that. It's just the American version, and it's uh, uh, what's her name? Ellen Barkin. I like her. Is the star Scott Speedman plays the smart brother, who I guess was that Joel Edgerton in the? I don't remember. I didn't see the movie, but he was adopted. Baz is his character's name. Okay, it's and then Sean Hetosi plays the oldest brother who just got out of prison, and that's the Ben Mendelsohn character, I think. Okay. From the- movie um so it's got a great cast but man it is dark af uh brooke well you watched the first episode and brooke said no i'm out <laughs> because first of all they're a crime family it's made very clear we commit crimes for a living that's what we do and they live in la current day you know they're not <laughs> they're not fucking old west criminals and this and they have there's three brothers 
three, four brothers and a sister. The sister got away from them but was hooked on heroin. And in the first episode, she dies. And her kid, sitting right next to her on the couch, has to call his grandmother, Ellen Barkin, and say, mm-hmm. Hi, remember me? Your grandson? Well, Mom's dead. Can I come live with you? And that's yeah. how it all starts. That's the beginning of the movie, too. Okay. So, it's really... It's, it's all well put together and interesting. But then... Um, also, Scott Speedman is married and has a baby, so he seems like the normal one. So they set all this up, and then they also have a plan in place for a job. So in the second episode, everything happens. They go on this job. to They run their car into a fucking jewelry store and steal all these watches and shit. And they get out, but on the way out, they accidentally kill a dude who's an off-duty cop. That's a big deal. Yeah. So much so that Scott Speedman's wife is like, what in the fuck? Because she knows what he does. But she's like, everyone's going to prison now because of these idiots. Your idiot brothers. So there's that. Then we also find out Sean Hitosi was fucking his wife before he went to prison. Then while they're getting away, uh, the middle brother gets shot. So through the course of the second episode, he gets hooked on painkillers and coke. Because he's already a cokehead. And the best scene is where the, uh, the the grandson goes to find the youngest son. Uh, that she's like, I think he's surfing. So he goes to the beach to find him, and he looks in the bathroom and sees he's in there getting a Hummer from some dude. Uh-huh. And then the brother sees the kid, and he's like, oh, shit, he sees me? Starts beating the shit out of the guy who was giving him a Hummer. He's like, God damn it, who do you think you are, faggot? And he starts beating the shit. He's like, Jay, come in here. This guy's trying to touch my dick. And he, they both start beating the shit out of him. And then they leave, and this guy's like on the floor in the bathroom stall with his pants around his ankles. Wow. It's fucking brutal. The, and this is all in the second episode. What network is this on? TNT. Jeez. And I said to Brooke, this might be the first TNT drama in years that is actually worth the shit. Cause, and then on top of all of this is the crazy incestuous you know, right. relationship that she yeah. seems to have with these boys and is now pushing on the youngest one. It's fucking crazy. Uh, it, it, and you know why? It's John Wells. Okay. It, I was watching it going, this is so fucking dark, it reminds me of uh, a cop show. What was it? Uh, the great cop show he did that was on ABC and then went to TNT. Oh, Southland. Yeah, it reminded yeah, me of yeah. Southland. It was that dark. And I okay. went, oh, well, that's why. John Wells, Sean Hitosi, both from Southland. Yeah. And they got, you know, fucking Ellen Barkin. And she looks amazing. Uh, she's yes. so fucking skinny. Like, for she's like 70. Huh. Right? I mean, and she, she's got, she, her body is amazing. I don't mean to, I'm sorry to be a pig, but she just looks fucking amazing for such an old lady. Like Ellen Mirren level. Um, anything else? Any new? I saw Batman versus Superman. I did not see it. <laughs> I saw it for two fifty at the cheap theater yeah. over in NoHo. I like that theater. I walked out. It was in the middle of you the day. You live in North Hollywood. Yeah, I guess you can't so. say over in NoHo. Here. You know what I mean yeah. in NoHo Central. But I saw it like at noon for two fifty, uh-huh. and when I walked out, I said, "I want my two fifty back." <laughs> it was it was just boring. Is the main problem with it? Yeah, right. It's just a fucking boring movie. I didn't see it. So There's okay. one scene which they showed in the trailer where. Wonder Woman lands. It's the first time she shows up in Wonder Woman gear. Uh-huh. And she she literally comes out of nowhere, lands between them. Boom! And she's like, let's fight this motherfucker. It's doomsday. They're fighting. Whatever she says. So they go to fight. Does she say let's fight no, this motherfucker? No, of course not. Cool. She, I don't know if she says anything. She just... Wait, it's a PG-13 movie, right? 
so they get to say fuck once? Is I, there? Do, do they say fuck in the movie at all? I thought they said it more than once, but uh, honestly, some, some do. It was so boring. American President, PG thirteen. Yeah, three, three times they say fuck. Really? Yep. I thought you couldn't get away with that. I some must I, be I before the rule. Or I think that some people like uh, you know Rob Reiner's at the top of his game right then. I think he can and Aaron Sorkin and uh, Michael push Douglas some through. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But uh, but she lands and like boom, and they're like, "Ooh, who's this?" She's clearly an ass kicker, and she starts to fight. And you know, she probably—I think she screams, "Yeah!" And they look at each other, and one of them says, "Is she with you?" And the other one goes, "I thought she was with you." Mm-hmm. That joke doesn't even make sense unless it's sexist, right? I don't know. Take out the sexism. Take out the fact that a woman has every right to be anywhere she wants without a man's permission, right? Okay, I, okay. I, I didn't see the movie, so I can't defend this. But that's what I'm saying. Let's say me and you are walking, are, are, are here in this room, and a woman walks through that one of us does not know, right? But in this case, neither one of them knows her. Yes. Okay. But in this case, it would be weird if a woman walked through my house that I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's say, no. Let's say we're at a Starbucks. Okay. Just chatting, and a woman walks in to get a coffee. And you look at me and go, is she with you? And I go, I saw, thought she was with you. We're fucking retarded then. Okay, Why in the world me, would we think she's with us? I'm going to be devil's advocate here, because I haven't seen the movie. Okay. But what you're, the situation in the movie sounds like, if you and I were at Starbucks, and a woman came down... And sat at our table and started talking to us. No, because... That's what it sounds like. No, because... You, if she's it, joining an ongoing fight, it's like joining an ongoing conversation. Right. So then it does seem a little bit intrusive. No, because... I don't, I don't care at all. No, because <laughs> in this case, it's like they're fighting the big villain at the end. All eyes are on them. So if she's there, that's why she's there. You know what I'm saying? If she shows up, if anybody shows up, they're there to fight this big bad guy. Just like if anybody shows up at a Starbucks, they okay. are 95% there to get a cup of coffee. Right. So for me or and you... at scone. So for me and you to go, hey, <laughs> what is she doing maybe here? Maybe a Mumford and Son CD. So now you're just being an asshole. <laughs> well, because I don't care. Because I didn't see the movie. The fucking movie. But uh, here's what, makes, here's what is funny about it. Like, obviously they wanted this to be their Avengers or... You know, they're beginning of the beginning, Avengers. Yeah, because yeah. they're working up to the Justice League. Right. So, th- Which is so why I guess J.K. Simmons is so ripped. This would be their Iron Man? No, Superman was their Iron Man. This would be their... Well, because so there was Iron Man and this was there was Hulk, but that was pretty much on its own. Hulk doesn't Hulk doesn't count. The Incredible Hulk does. Hulk... That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, okay. good call. Thank you for pointing that out. You're right. <laughs> the Incredible Hulk. So what's the, is it, would this be their Thor, maybe? No, it would have to be the first movie that... There was like a team up that wasn't an Avengers movie, but did that not that it didn't happen before. until the Avengers, right? Where more than one of them were in a movie together. I guess. Well, but is um, um is Black Widow in Iron Man two? And that was before the Avengers. Oh yeah, and War Machine is in Iron Man two, right? He's in Iron Man one and two, but different actors. But he's not War Machine in the first one. He's Terrence Howard. Yeah, that's right. But he's just he's just Rhodey. So it's Iron Man two. Batman okay. vs Superman is Iron Man two. So now, so yeah, so they're leading up to it, but for it to be so terrible, it's like Suicide Squad just has to be good, like not boring, you know? I think they might have done this almost on purpose. Like, let's just make something to get people's appetites wet. And as long as Suicide Squad, Justice League, and the fucking Cyborg and Aquaman movie, who the fuck? There's this scene in there that is only 
there to serve future movie's purpose yeah. makes no sense within the context of the fucking movie. Yeah, yeah that's, what we get. that's where we are now. I fucking hate that. That's the Back to the Future. It's Robert Zemeckis who started that. That cocksucker. Yeah, I, I can say that because he's dead. Um, Speaking of dead people... Robert Zemeckis is not dead. Isn't he? No. Oh, no. I was thinking the other guy. John. John, uh... Uh, John Hughes is who I was thinking of. Oh, uh, so what about Anton Yelchin? He just died today. Uh, How crazy is that? Yeah, well, apparently he died last night. He was found early this morning. Oh, is a like they said it was a car accident. It's from what I understand, it's a freak one person car accident at his home. He was. Uh, it sounds from what I understand, he like started his. He was supposed to be at a rehearsal or something last night. Okay. Started his car and then got out of the car for some reason and left the car in neutral. And then the car rolled back and pinned him and killed him. Oh. Well. So maybe he thought it was in park. I don't know why he got out. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, yeah. He was, he was probably drunk or high. I hate to be a dick, but probably was. I don't know. He might not that it matters. Like, in a rush and, like, forgot something. I don't know. No. Not that it matters, but, yeah, he was probably. Because uh, also there was nobody around. And the reason that famous people don't have anyone around them is because they're drunk and or high. She eh, says so. I don't know. I don't. I mean, want does to he say not that. have one friend? That's what he was going to meet friends. That's why they came. To, they found him because he was like three hours late. Well, it's, it's all they beside went to his point. Uh, his place. It's all beside. Yeah, I don't want to cast aspersions. I'm a big fan of Anton. <coughs> Me too. He's a he's I, a really good actor. Speaking of, we're doing a TV podcast here. I first really came to know him on Huff mm-hmm. um, when he was the the son. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's really good. Um, Did you ever see the House of D, the David Duchovny movie? No. He plays young David Duchovny, and oh. he's very good. And so I saw an interview. Someone asked, "How come you made uh, Anton straighten his hair instead of you making your hair curly?" Uh-huh. And he said, "Because I wrote this movie, it's my movie. <laughs> Why would I want to get a perm?" But he's he's very good as the young David Duchovny, and he's also on this episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm that's fucking hysterical. Which one is it? The magician episode. Okay. He's a kid. He shows Larry this trick, and Larry's like, "That's great. How'd you do it?" Oh, I can't tell you. Sorry, magician's code. And he's like, "What?" He's like, "No, I can't tell you." So now Larry's obsessed with getting finding out how this trick is done, and I think also Judah Friedlander is on it, and he plays a retarded guy. Okay. Who also knows the trick. And he won't. And he won't tell Larry how it's done because it's even though he's mentally disabled, he still adheres to the magician's code. So then Larry fi- tries to join like a magician's group or magician's union, so he can say, oh, "I'm a magician now. You can tell me." <laughs> and he's like, "No, you're not a magician." <laughs> it's very fucking funny. Oh, wow, I don't remember that. I think it's a first season episode because okay. it was before Judah Friedlander. Anyone? Because he looks just you know he's wearing a hat and everything. Yeah. It's before he was famous, I guess. Um, Before 30 Rock, that's for sure. All right. So, uh, yeah, that's that. Uh, I also I, I saw Finding Dory yesterday. How is it? It's fun. Okay. It's good. It's. I mean, I think... Uh, I'm sure. I mean, there's no reason it wouldn't be. Yeah, it's not as good as Finding Nemo, but it's quite good. Um, All right. It has some good... Uh, some great uh, voice work. I like... Uh, um, Caitlin Olsen from It's Always Sunny plays, uh, plays a whale. She's, she's great. That's good. She's yeah. funny. Those guys are all funny. Good stuff. All right. Um, I, I didn't see or do anything else. Yeah, I, I finished think. watching Roots, but we already talked about it. Holy Roots. shit. Roots. Man, I saw Nika Noni Rose on... Is that her name? Yeah. Nika Noni Rose. Yeah. She was on Larry Wilmore. Man, she's fucking smoking hot. Okay. Holy crap, is she beautiful. All right, so let's talk about Uncle Buck. Uh, yeah. That's, sorry, for those of you who, do, who don't know, which would be everybody since we didn't, we didn't announce it announcing. last week. We're talking about Uncle Buck and uh, Amy Schumer, Inside Amy Schumer this week. So, so that's a series premiere and a season finale. Right. 
So pause now and go watch this thing. <laughs> well, let's, yeah, Uncle Buck, they showed two episodes. I watched both of them. So did I. Okay, so the first one was pretty much the 30-minute version of the movie. Yeah. Uh, but with Down diff- to some specific lines of dialogue as well. Right? Like, you're insane, you have no idea. Like, that's yeah. from the first one. Or like, who are you? What's your job? That scene, oh, yeah. <laughs> that was, which was really funny in the movie. Um, but yeah, all, uh, and then like when they referenced giant pancakes... At the uh-huh. end, uh-huh. which is a big scene in the movie. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't hate it, but I, I mean, this is a perfect example of when somebody really funny and really clever is offered a giant paycheck to do something that they know is not good, is fucking beneath them. And yet they go, hey, I was just making $20 an hour on that Stars show. Now I'm making $20,000 a day. I don't give a fuck. And a guy like Mike Epps, not because he's black, but because he's from the fucking hood. He's that guy. He, he grew up, not necessarily poor, but he grew up certainly lower middle class. And even in the comedy clubs, he had to play the black clubs. He was in, you know, you ask the average white person who Mike Epps is, they, you'll be lucky if they know who Omar Epps is. You know what I mean? You know, that's funny you say that because um, I won't say who, but someone I was talking to someone about the show, mm-hmm. and it was a white person, and uh, he didn't know who Mike Epps was. I have long been a fan of Mike Epps. Yeah, me too. And uh, he's the star of this fucking show is the thing. You know, they don't know who James Lejeur is. They don't know who Nia Long is. Even though Nia Long is, right? I bet that person you were talking to don't. Doesn't. Yeah, maybe <laughs> right. But you, um, and, you and I who watch... Movies and TV. And he, oh, let me tell you where I first got on the Mike Epps train. Is I don't know, it was probably about ten years ago because it was shortly after I moved to Los Angeles. HBO brought back Death Comedy Jam for uh, a while, uh-huh. and Mike Epps was the host. Every oh, okay. Week. And I watched it every sure. week, and he was fantastic. That's, that's where I. Uh, that's how I moved to LA when I came out here. To I, be on Death, Death Comedy no, Jam. I took the Mike Epps train. <laughs> That you were talking about. I drove it out here to L.A. Okay. Um. <laughs> but also, he's in, like, all those... <laughs> he's in a lot of, you know, so-called black movies. He's in the Friday sequels. He's in... He's uh, in, you know, what are... All that, About the Benjamins. Yeah, that one. A lot of Martin uh, Martin Lawrence movies. Yeah. He's the weird uncle. Yeah, that's a good point, because I think white audiences might know him best from his small roles in The Hangovers 1 and 3. Because right. those are the big white movies that he's in. But even in those, his, he's got a tiny part. He's so much that he plays great. the fucking drug dealer who. Yeah, his name is Black Doug. Yeah, because <laughs> he's the one black guy in the movie. And in the black and Doug. in the first one, he's he's basically the Deus Ex Machina of the movie. They have no idea where Justin, what's his name, is until Bartha. In, yeah. Until he goes, they should be called Flores, right? And then they go, oh shit, roof! He's on the roof. Yeah. And then the movie ends, and it's all it's all the denouement after that. Yeah. And, and then he's in the third ridiculous. one just to get killed by John Goodman. Jesus. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> it was years ago. Um, <laughs> it, anyway, I'll say this: they clearly, you know, I'm watching it with Brooke, and I go, oh, they just want this to be another blackish, is what they want because they're an upscale see, black here's family. Here's why it's different. Because I think I liked it more than you did. Partially because I like Mike Epps. You would have to have. But also I think you're talking about like a famous and very funny person doing something that's below below them. Yes. My mind immediately went to the new Odd Couple, which is dreadful, which is full of famous people or full of very funny people. It's not yeah. only is it uh, uh, Chandler and Tom Lennon. Right. There's a whole Dan cast. Foley and yeah. uh, Wendell Pierce, I think. Was that right? Yeah. Wendell uh, Pierce and uh, the chick from Community. Yeah, so it's got a great cast and that material is beneath all of them. Right. I think, yes, this isn't some great 
you know, revolutionary sitcom. But I do think <laughs> you make the Blackish comparison. I do think the show is not just making doing a sort of one to one, you know, um, ethnicity switch. Like it is commenting on the fact that this is an affluent black family, and much the way the Blackish is, it's making that part of their identity. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I and I found that interesting. Maybe, maybe you're right. In a world where we have Blackish. Maybe this does feel like a, uh, um, what's what I'm looking for? A competitor? Or not a competitor, but a... Uh, a uh, it would be a team-up or whatever, because yeah, they're both like on a, ABC. Yeah, like a, a, a pale reflection or something. It uh, is, because, I mean... Echo. Uh, in, in I'm Blackish, Larry... By the way, my favorite revolutionary sitcom, Take My Fife, Please. Did you ever see that show? It's fucking hysterical. <laughs> It's about this guy. It's during the Revolutionary War. He's a stand-up comic. Yeah. And he's always performing. And they, like, bring him up on stage. And before he can tell his first joke, it's always like, The British are coming! And they're like, Oh, goddammit. See, I go back even further. I like uh, Red Coat Junction. (laughs) Man, I'm great. Um, That one was mine. No, oh, right, you're right. (laughs) You didn't make that second joke. No, but without me, that wouldn't have happened. Let's be honest. Well, like, I'm blackish. Obviously, they're all upper... Class black people, and, and, and you know, as they are constantly pointing out, Tracy Ellis Ross is half black on the show. She <laughs> literally is blackish, and it's Larry Fishburne who's the you know one hundred keeping it hunted character <laughs> who always comments on everything. In this case, it's Mike Epps, but he's not the old wizened grandfather. He's the fuck up. But in but I mean, obviously, in the first episode, you got to kind of excuse all that because they're setting up. Way too much shit, in my opinion. Like, they're not just setting up the adult's relationship. They're setting up the kid's relationship with each other, and then with him, and then with the parents, and then I the community. Really? I think that's that's a, that's a pilot doing good pilot. I'm just saying it's, it's a little jumbled. It's almost like the first episode is just like a... a, a checkpoint. Like a bullet list. It's not even... It's, uh-huh. it's literally like, well, the first episode... Well, what are we going to... The first line, the show starts. Honey, you're ironing? We're supposed to go on our vacation right now. <laughs> yes, I know we're going on our vacation. And and then the, the fucking... Uh, the, the nanny leaves right yeah. away. You were leaving on a vacation with for days. Leaving your three kids with this woman who's apparently so shitty at her job, she bailed. Yeah. She can't do the one thing a nanny is supposed to do. Watch teenage kids, right? Yeah, or babies. I was like, that's fucking unbelievable. But I excused it because it's all in an effort to mainly get Mike Epps there. Yeah. You know, because I, I, I think a, a newer, more hipper pilot would already start with that. I don't know. The I never watched the original Uncle Buck TV show with Kevin Meany. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, it was popular it enough. It was Kevin Meany? Yeah, he was Uncle Buck. That is poor casting. Yeah? That's coming from a guy who loves Kevin Meany. The show lasted at least a season, though. But Kevin Meany is not like Uncle just, Buck. Just because he's a bigger guy, is that why? And he's not even that big. Like, it's not like John yeah. Candy big. No, like, but it's TV. Mike Mike Epps isn't fat at all. So how no, is that Mike not Epps forecasting? Is playing the scoundrel. So you're saying Kevin, Kevin Meany is Kevin not Meany's the scoundrel? whole thing is being kind of like put your I, big I pants on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never watched the show because I. At the time, I didn't find Kevin Meany funny. I do now. For <laughs> I don't know why it's different, but he does make me well, laugh. Well, I, I mean, that's the same. When in the '90s, when I first heard of Kevin Meany, I didn't find him funny either. But that's because I was like 14 years old and didn't get 
There's, yeah, there, maybe. There's another level to him, I think, that I yes. didn't get at the time. Yeah, now uh, he's yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah, I and, love he, him. He's, and he's fun his, to watch. Uh, his he's I the, Don't Care song. Is I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I saw him do that on Letterman. I was like, this guy is fucking crazy. He's got balls. Yeah. He's bombing on like, Letterman. We were talking earlier about the, uh, the power of a cute dog. Sometimes if I'm having a shit day, I can just go to YouTube and watch Kevin Meany do the I Don't I Care don't song. Care. Yeah. And it'll cheer me up. Good call. But the second episode, which was a... Let's talk about that. Because that was a real episode. Is basically, it's right out of the vault. The kids are selling cookies. Uh-huh. He uses his hood knowledge to start a criminal organization and sell a bunch of cookies. Meanwhile, the parents are doing their cookie thing. And, and then the kids have... The two kids put a hole in the wall. Which is from every fucking sitcom ever. Yeah. So... That I but was even like, that, like the fact that they cover up the hole with a giant decal of President Obama's head is yeah. speaking like it's the show taking its premise seriously. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That it was in the second episode. It was a another simple, you know, uh, bullet point of a script, but they filled it in with jokes and sight gags and funnier characters. That black girl who was like his muscle, uh-huh. she made me laugh. And there's actually one line that made me laugh out loud, which was, if they did more of this, the show would be great. Um, Mike Epps is saying, no, I'll take care of this. I got it all taken care of. I'm the street cookie dragon. And James Lejeune is like, all right, take care of that. But you got to promise me one thing. You don't ever say street cookie dragon again. <laughs> and then Mike Epps goes, I can't make that promise. <laughs> and I laughed out loud. And I was like, that's what the show is. That's what makes him funny. Yeah. Just saying shit like that, it's harmless and cute. I, I, like, I like when at the end, very end of the second episode when he hits on the, the, the woman from the Girl Scout. The woman comes to yeah. consult him. And he's like, yeah. you want to get in the pool? You know, bathing suit? Neither do I. We're both grown. Right? <laughs> that's brilliant stuff. That's why he's a great comic. So, I don't know, it's funny. Maybe it's a black thing, honestly, because I heard, like, this new movie with Kevin Hart, you know, <laughs> in The Rock. I hear it's really funny, and I've never seen a Kevin Hart movie. Although, <laughs> I've tweeted this this weekend. I was, Brooke said, are you going to see that? And I go, I don't know, I've never seen a Kevin Hart movie. And she goes, what? Didn't you see Rush Hour? <laughs> God, and I said, you are a racist Canadian. <laughs> but, like, people, like, Ike Barinholtz wrote this movie, Oh. This this latest one, so it's not you know you can't say it's like for black audiences because a very white guy wrote it, him and his writing partner. But I also heard Kevin Hart ad libbed like a motherfucker, yeah. and most of the script, most of his lines are his ad libs. So it's like I don't know, it's just like music. Like would you tell like Aretha Franklin and James Brown never sang a song the same way twice? Yeah, okay. That was like a problem in the on the Blues Brothers movie. Like they had to record them singing. While they were singing, because they couldn't sync it later on, because it was never the same performance. Right. I saw John Landis talk about that, and it's the same thing with black actors or comedians. Not that they are so into it, they can't do it the same way twice, but they're better if you let them play with it. Lou Gossett Jr. You watch some black actors on the screen. You know Morgan Freeman. Let him do what he wants. Let him say it his way. And it's fucking almost magical. I, I realize this has a very thick air of racism. Yeah, I, about I, it. I, I, I don't. I don't see what you're talking about. I just. I just see it when you're, you're talking about Mike Epps here. That's more of just the style of comic that he is. Not but, it has nothing to do with him being black. But th- but look at the level of comedy. How much it made you laugh. Those two scenes we referenced, as opposed to everything else he says in the in the show. Everything could be that funny. 
but nothing is because he's saying these other lines. Obviously, it's a third, you know, whatever, 24 minute sitcom, and they can't put all that shit in there. Um, but if they wrote more to that, and, you know, tr- let's try it different ways, because there are sitcoms that do that. You know, they do it 10 different ways and pick one. Parks and Rec did that all the time. Uh, it could be better, but it's not good. I'm not going to keep watching it. Uh, I'm not either, but that's because I don't watch that much TV anymore. I'm getting better, getting back into watching TV. But, but this uh, is not I, a priority. No, I mean, there's a reason they put I, it on in the summer. I, th- I, 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 I didn't think it was as bad as... I'm not, as I'm as not as hating. I'm think, not hating. I think by measuring the show against what it set out to achieve, I think it did a pretty good job. So you would say um, it's a success? Uh, yeah, I would give it a... B minus. B minus. Yeah. So less um, than Feed the Beast, which you gave a B plus. No, I didn't. Oh, Unreal, you gave a B plus. Yes, B plus to Unreal. All right. Feed the Beast is a D minus. Holy um, shit! I, I hated it. Um, D for dinner. Real quick, Kevin Hart movies. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I've seen any that he starred in, but I love the one scene. Or he's in a couple scenes in This Is the End where he plays himself. You know the. This oh yeah, the yeah, yeah, of, yeah. But the thing that uh, no one like, I feel like no one talks about how funny this is. At the party scene at the beginning, it's Jason Siegel and Kevin Hart. And Jason Siegel is complaining about all the lame sitcom jokes he has to do on How I Met Your Mother. But Kevin Hart thinks they're all hilarious. <laughs> uh, that yeah. dynamic is so funny to me that I, also I because, wish that scene went on longer. Because Kevin Hart is tiny and Jason Siegel right. is, well, is yeah. well over six feet. Yeah. One of the funniest things I ever saw was back in the old days with Tough Crowd with Colin Quinn. Remember that show? Yeah. Uh, t- uh, later on in the season, Colin Quinn was so... Dumb. He was. He wanted to change things up. So a few for a few episodes, they had no chairs and no couches. Everybody oh, right. was standing while he yes. leaned up against like a pool table. People were standing, and it became like, "Why are we standing?" And he's like, "I just want to change things." But it was just Colin Quinn being dumb and you know being nervous or whatever. So they're all standing there. But on one side, it's I don't remember who the first guy was, but the middle guy is Lenny Clark. And then right next to him is Kevin Hart. <laughs> and on the other side, Jim Norton is over there. And he, they're making their point. And then Jim Norton says, Now nah, do me a favor and stand next to Lenny so I can remember different strokes. <laughs> <laughs> I had to pause the fucking TV. I was laughing so hard. And I thought, if they were sitting down, he couldn't have made that joke. Right. And then Colin Quinn went, See? What a great idea. <laughs> that fucking show. God. I don't know why it didn't get... Uh, is a is a... Uh, acquired taste, I guess. Um, all right, so let's move on to yeah, trivia. I can talk, yeah, never mind. I'm not going to be a comedy nerd and talk at length why I think Tough Crowd never found its audience. I have, the, I have thoughts. All right. Anyway. Uh, so trivia, The two weeks ago, the question was about Philip Noyce. Noyce. And uh, what was it? He, dire- he directed one, a show that I talked about. The, the pilot episode of the show. It was clearly talking. either Revenge or Blood and Oil. Right. I said Blood and Oil, but it, no, it was Revenge. Yeah. And John Shannon was the first person to get that right. Um, so, congratulations, John Shannon. Congratulations, John. Do you have a, a trivia question? I this do. Week? I think you're probably going to guess it, unless you, like me. The reason this stuck out to me is because I completely forgot this ever happened. So, unless you... Okay. So I have hoping... a great trivia question to okay. follow this up. Good, because this one I think you'll get. Um, Uncle Buck. Mike Epps is here in a movie-turned-TV show in which the uh, races switched from white to black. Right. Mike Epps also starred in a TV show turned movie where they switched the races from white to black. Do you remember uh, what movie he was in that was based on a classic TV show? 
Uh, oh, the Honeymooners. That's right. He right. was played Ed, Ed Norton, right? Yep. I was looking through his IMDb and I had completely forgotten that ever happened. Yeah, Cedric the Entertainer. Yep. Apparently, it was horrible. Uh, but I don't know who even cares. He was also. Uh, I was trying to think of other black white things when you when you were talking about that because I thought there was another one, but now I've lost my train of thought. Anyway, here's my question. It's also about Uncle Buck. But the Kevin Meany version. Okay, I don't have any. Now, I don't know. the uh, the Kevin Meany version of Uncle Buck was short lived, but it is it has historical significance in the world of television because it is the first show to uh, where we ever heard a particular phrase uh, on television. It's not you know it's it like the first time when I think someone said shit before ten o'clock was on. Chicago, Chicago Hope. Hope. I remember, I was he said shit happens. I remember that. And that was okay to say shit happens because that's a phrase. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're talking about shit in terms of stuff. You're not talking about actual shit. Right. You're not telling anyone to eat your shit. Right. You're not calling someone a piece of shit. So they were like, well, that's a bumper sticker. So shit happens means things happen. So yeah. they were like, okay, that's fine. So there's a phrase like that that was the first on Uncle Buck. And it was a big deal because Uncle Buck, I think, was on at 8.30, uh, prime family time. And uh, it is, it's not necessarily something that you would, you know, offend somebody by saying, but it does have offensive connotations. Is this something that is now more common? It was common then. It was just something you didn't hear on TV a lot. It was more like, is this okay to say? I don't know. Let's figure it out. And it was a big deal. It's a two-word sentence. That's it. It's very, and it's not even, I wouldn't even say it's like a common phrase, but it is something everyone has said before. Uh, and it's certainly derogatory and insulting. Huh. Okay. Because I also know the other one of those is, uh, it wasn't until Friends, I think, that uh, the word period was used to refer to a woman's period, which is which seems so weirdly recent to me that that, ever, that took so long. Yeah. Um, uh, it's derogatory. Okay. I've given you every hint. It's a two-word sentence, something we've all said. Uh, it's not, like I said, it's not necessarily a catchphrase or anything. Right. But it is certainly an insult. Uh, the cat almost fell, um, rolled over and fell off that box. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Is it screw you? No, but that's a good guess. Because if you were to say that on TV, that's perfectly fine. But what are the connotations? What you're saying is, fuck you. What you're saying is, go fuck yourself. Yeah. You, you can't say that. My nephew was staying with me. Uh, this weekend, my on my, my wife's side, yeah, uh, was staying with us. So we were watching kids TV, and there was a commercial for Jolly Ranchers, yeah, that was about like sitting in the middle seat sucks, right? Like mm-hmm. it was about kids, but it's like right. that comes from like saying something sucks comes from that's what it it comes from sucking. Yes, exactly. Yeah, like that, you're right. Wait, wait what year was the? Um, Kevin Meany, Uncle Buck. Wait, can we say what the answer is? Well, no, because because now I want to say something else. All right, the answer is you suck. Yeah, that's what the the girl, the oldest teenage girl, was yelling at Uncle Buck, and she said, "You suck!" and stormed off upstairs. What and year, what, what year was that on? It was I, uh, late nineties, I think. Late nineties or late eighties? Maybe mid nineties. I I thought I was out of college, living in Chicago at the time. Because the show takes place in Chicago. Because I have a memory of the first time I heard someone describe something as... It was in 1991. Because I remember there was an episode of Cheers. Yeah. 
where um, uh, it was like Sam was like catching up with one of his old baseball buddies and he left and they're like who was that oh he was like uh, he pitched with me or whatever was he any good he's like no he sucked but that might have been around the same time I guess if it was 1991 it could have been like the last season of Cheers but even right. that is I think tamer because you can say he sucked sucked eggs right oh okay he All was right. a sucker Right. You know, it just is. But when you say you suck, that's short for you suck dicks. Yeah, exactly. You're a dick sucker. Yeah. That's how terrible a person you are. You just sit around sucking dick all day, you dick sucker. Yeah. And apparently you can say that about Jolly Ranchers on to kids now. No, about not about Jolly Ranchers. No, but I'm saying that's the, the leap that it's I It's about make. sitting in bitch. At least he didn't say that. He didn't go, man, riding bitch sucks. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Because yeah. that does suck when you're riding bitch. All right. So there's two trivia questions and... Uh, uh, no answers to be... Yeah, you got all the... Well, here's the trivia question. Okay. Who played the wife on Take My Fife, Please? That's the trivia question this week. Because we know the star of Take My right. Fife, Please was John Lithgow. And he was like this, he was just like a bad revolutionary comedian. But who played his wife? I'm so, going to guess it was uh, Laura Linney as Abigail Adams. <laughs> no. Here, let me write the answer. <laughs> I just showed him you suck. All right, let's, uh, can we move on to Amy Schumer? Uh, yeah, this won't take long. All right, did you know it was stupid. a clip show? Yeah. Oh, see, I did not. And I thought David must not have known it was a clip show. I just picked it because it was the finale. Yeah, but and also, that's fine. Like, but th- isn't this the second time? I want to talk about the fact that, as much as I love Amy Schumer, the finale of her fourth season, the ninth episode, you know, yeah. those classic nine episode seasons. Right. Well, is which a clip they re- show. referenced. That doesn't get them off the hook. It's like, okay. I, this, this is funny. Is, this reminds me of. Mm. And there, okay. This uh, this season, as we talked about, because we talked about the first nine weeks ago, we talked about the first episode, right? Uh, which, which was just stunk, a normal episode, but it stunk. I don't think either one because it was too much. Too much Hamilton stuff. The stuff that wasn't Hamilton was good. That Hamilton that was shit. Not our, that our uh, it was not our. Wasn't there? Time. Wasn't there? There was also like the one, gynecologist like sketch where it was. Oh the right. Oh right. And I'm thinking about the other gynecologist sketch. Which they showed the clip of with Missy Pyle. Right, but that was only a week or two ago. That but was that was hilarious. Time. It was much funnier. The okay. show did the, this season... Because I've been watching this season with Brooke. So, so I, and this season has been the weakest so far, but it has had a few really good episodes and a couple of classic sketches. I think yes. the Nick Jr. is still so funny to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Brooke I, made me watch that. I also love the, um, the one uh, that's the cell phone commercial where um, Kevin Dunningham is... Uh, where Amy Schumer plays like the cell phone, cell phone girl. Oh right, person. right, right. The commercial. Uh, yeah, they're filming it, the commercial. Yeah, I thought that was a great, a, a great sketch. You want her? You want to have sex with her? But you know, now you're afraid. Now you don't have a penis. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that was you, very funny. You, trying, you can't flirt. You can't flirt with the company. You can't fuck a company. You don't have a shot. <laughs> uh, that, that was very yeah, funny. And I like that Missy uh, Pyle skit, and I like that yogurt one with Rachel Dratch. Okay. That was really um, funny. Yeah, I like the Lamaze class where they're all afraid of bats. Oh, right. <laughs> that was very funny. And at the very end, she goes, bats! Yeah. And runs out. I also yeah. like the weird, um, really weird, if you think about it, sitcom sketch where Amy got replaced <coughs> I by, love by Sarah Chalk and then got replaced by... Lizzie uh, Gorenson. Yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, I love that. Mainly because, I don't know, I really find that shit funny. It's also in the... They did that joke in the... In an episode of BoJack Horseman, maybe it was the Christmas episode, 
where she says a joke and nobody says anything. Then she says it again and the guy goes, no. Yeah. <laughs> that fucking kills me. Because so some, some dude in the audience, no. He just is speaking for yeah. everyone. Move on. And then she just says, what the fuck? But then, Are you kidding me? Although, here's my favorite part of that sketch. We found out why Ralphie Mae does not have his own sitcom. <laughs> Holy shit. Not only is he disturbing to watch move, but the guy is a terrible fucking actor. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but also, there's something else going on with that sketch if you watch it again. It takes... I think the sketch takes place in some dystopian future. <laughs> it seems like it. Because well, if you see, like, else, when, when she just... gets carted off, it's like guys in like the, like, yeah. like, like, they're like the Hunger Games, like Enforcers guys. Yeah. In, like, and, the, weird, and they like, have this woman sense. ready. Yeah. At the ready with the same exact uh, uniform Outfit, on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. yeah that was, I love that, that sketch. Funny. So this is, we're talking about all the stuff we like to talk about, how kind of stupid it is that they ended with a clip show. Even though I think the, the, whatever you call it, the wraparound or whatever of the, uh, Real Housewives style reunion mm-hmm. was definitely well done in terms of a parody. That's yeah, it, it was smart. Like one of those. It was smart to also then bring the guys on to do it too. Uh-huh. Like her and her sister, that was funny, and they're like upping like whatever di- weird versions, and then Bridget Everett and that Asian chick were just the dumbest versions of themselves, and then bringing yeah. the guys. And they- <laughs> there's one bit that I actually rewound and watched a couple times. Because I know you and I are both not big Bridget Everett fans. Right. But I think as an actress, I think she's funny. I just don't like her act. Yeah, I agree. Um, she's funny in sketches. One, during one of the parts when Amy and her sister are arguing, and Amy makes some big point that makes no sense whatsoever, makes a big statement, yeah. and it cuts to Bridget Everett going, <laughs> like ridiculous right. over the top For reaction. no reason. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just cut that way. And I thought Andy Cohen was really funny, obviously. Yeah. And that last thing when he goes, watch, you want to see a great one? <laughs> Let's change gears here for a minute. And he went, huh? That's Because he doesn't take himself seriously. That's yeah. great. Here's the, here's the two biggest problems with that, this particular episode. Because it's a clip show, first of all, all the clips from sketches, half of them I hadn't seen. And oh. out of context, it's not funny. And they were not... They were so... Like, they're short. So tiny. Yeah, just one line. Well, one line of Amy going, because it's in my pussy. That's not funny on its own. Right. If I remember the sketch, I might go, ah, yeah, that was awesome. But right. for but me, the point of that half bit of them were dumb. Well, no, that's a different. I'm talking about the pussy. pussy. That's a different bit. But I'm talking about like, the first clip, the first right. montage of clips. Half of them I hadn't seen, and none of them were funny on their own and out of context. That was a mistake from fucking the word go. The second mistake was showing all the great clips of her talking to people on the street because it pointed out how they can't do that anymore and instead they talked to her fucking unfunny friends in the bar the only one of which is funny is that dude Bridget Everett's husband or boyfriend or whatever that's all yeah he's fucking great yeah I, know, I like Brian Kelly and Jim Norton Yes, of course, Jim Norton's great. But if I have to hear from Amber Tamblin or even see her face on that show one more time, I'm going to fucking kick in my TV. You don't like Amber Tamblin? I love her on uh, Jane of God, whatever that fucking show was called. Uh-huh. That's what it's called, Jane of God. <laughs> but she's not funny. She is the opposite of David Cross. She's the perfect match for David Cross. He's a weirdo who's hilarious. She's a beautiful girl who's not funny. They fucking, they complete each other. Okay. But if I see well, her on another goddamn comedy show, I'm going to blow my brains out. Last weekend, or two weekends ago, I guess, at the Los Angeles Film Festival, I saw a movie that she directed, and it was really good. So, Great. Let her direct the movie. And she also writes 
brilliant poetry, according to Jim Bruce, but who gives a fuck? Yeah, I don't think I know the difference between good poetry and bad poetry. <laughs> exactly my point. So the, I was saying to Brooke, obviously they don't do this man on the street stuff anymore because now she's too famous. Too famous yeah. People are, even if they leave her alone, people will honk their horns and yell. And obviously they just said, we can't do this anymore. So go talk to people in a bar. Like when she does those interviews, I think in that one, it was that little girl she talked to. Uh-huh. That was great. That was and great. I love almost every one of those. Even if. I don't like it. I'm like, wow, this is just not interesting to me. They're always a good interview. Yeah. It's a great thing. I love the one with the nun this season, too. That was very Yeah, good. because, first of all, it's like you you identify with Amy. Yes, I would like to ask questions of a nun. Uh-huh. So you're interested. Then she makes it funny. She, she asks the questions you would ask and then makes a funny joke. Brilliant, right? It's so simple. Sitting at a bar doing that. Do, so do more of that. Don't show me the things that you had to do because you couldn't do the other thing. Don't show me more shit in the bar with your comedian friends performing for free. I mean, that's the that's like. What if I had a show like that where I invited all my comedians over? What if I was fucking Byron Allen and I had a show, Comics at Large, but it was even worse. It was just my friends sitting in my living room, and I went, Jim Bruce, do that thing about your dad. <laughs> Killer. All right, Graham. Do me a favor. Do that old bit about when your dad would, you know, beep, beep, boop. Do that joke. So it's all dad. This is a dad-themed episode. Well, this episode was for Father's Day, obviously. But that's not but a that fucking is- show. And how am I the star of that show? Terrible, yeah. right? I'd hate myself if I was on that show. Um, but even the living room actually makes more sense because I kept thinking all season about whatever that thing was at the bar is let's all go hang out at a bar with no music. Right? Because we can't have music. Yeah, they have to turn it off. I mean, there are some bars that do that, but obviously they went, we're getting ready to shoot, so cut it, cut the music, because people are still talking. Yeah. But even that, as soon as the music cuts off in a bar, in a crowded bar, people stop talking and look around. (laughs) So then it's awkward. They're like, we're getting ready to shoot, so we're turning off the music. Everyone quiets down and they go, Please continue talking, though. <laughs> so none of it is real. Like, my, I think when she talked to that dude, when she said, are you high right now? And he went, fuck, yeah, I'm high. Uh-huh. That's, like, from the first season, isn't Probably, it? Probably, yeah. I, I think the first episode. Oh, okay. And I remember watching that going, that is a great moment. Because it's not like, it's the first time I ever saw someone say they were high on TV and mm-hmm. not look like they, it was a secret. This dude gets high all the time <laughs> on his way home from work. He gets off work, goes and gets high, walks, takes the train home. He's got his card. You know, everything's perfectly legal. He's not driving. And she was just, just as an offhanded comment, are you high right now? Of course I'm high right now. It's after work. <laughs> but it, how different is that from someone saying, yeah, I stopped to have a few drinks. Right. That was the first time on TV I saw someone, like two people have a conversation about getting high where neither one of them went, ooh. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. two young adults who legally use marijuana. And in Amy Schumer's case, she's drunk all the time also. And I'll say this about that episode. That was the first time I really ever found her sister funny. Granted, she plays the straight man in almost every skit. Yeah. But I thought she was really funny in that Housewives thing. Yeah. The two of them together. I have literally never... <laughs> That's the best... <laughs> It, exaggerated version of those fucking shows because yeah. those women use the word literally all the time incorrectly and then when they say something that's clearly a lie that they know they have footage of <laughs> I have literally never drank in front of my child 
And then it's a montage of them drinking wine in front of their baby. <laughs> but for her to say, I literally never said pussy, you knew what was coming. Yeah. It was going to be the longest fucking montage ever. <laughs> that montage was originally two hours long. Yeah. They had to cut it. But that's her thing. But And then they showed that Missy Pyle sketch, and that made me laugh so hard. Yeah. I think that and might the, be my um, favorite sketch all all, week, all year. The all last season. fuckable day sketch where Julie Louis Dreyfus says, yeah. aren't you that girl from the TV who always talks about her pussy? <laughs> yes. And that was funny, too, because after watching this season of Veep, I was like, oh, look at that hilarious woman. Because she says we're shit like that right, on Veep yeah. all the time. <laughs> um, I can't believe we didn't talk about Veep this season. The fucking you, show is unbelievably funny. Um, I don't watch it, but did you... Um, <laughs> See the thing that uh, what's the what's the tall guy uh, from Veep? Uh, Timothy Simons. Timothy Simons. That uh, Julie Lee Dreyfus and her husband Brad um, Hall Hall uh, had him sent like uh, flowers with a on his birthday with a card that said "Happy Birthday Jizz Face." Right. And she had like they didn't write the card. She had to tell the florist yeah. how to spell jizz face and the fact that it was one word and not two. Sure. <laughs> Capital J. Yeah. It's a name. That's hilarious. Let me tell you a story about old uh, uh, Veep and Julie Louis-Dreyfus. My friend J.P. Manu, who is a very popular character actor, has been in a ton... He was the, a grape in the Fruit of the Loom commercials for okay. years. Um, but if you Google him, you'll go, oh yeah. Um, I, I play poker with him sometime and he's a super nice guy. I've known him for a million years. Uh, um, but he was recently in this scandal. He had because he lived part time in Toronto, and he was renting it out to a woman uh, and her boyfriend, or whatever. And they discovered he had cameras there. There's just security cameras, and they said, "Oh, we're going to sue him for invasion of privacy." Of course, none of the cameras were functioning at the time. He only used them when he were there. They knew he was an actor. He might be rich, so it was a bit. He had to stop working. Because he didn't, you know, he didn't want to talk to people about this. And then he was in a fucking lawsuit in another country. It's kind of a hassle. Yeah. So, um, because he's really only been an actor his whole life, he started taking extra work. Um, which is covered by SAG. And he said, yeah, it sucks being an extra, but it helps feed my pension and keeps me on insurance. And I was like, I can't fucking argue with that. Plus, he's being an extra on shit like uh, Girl's Guide to whatever, that new Amazon show... And big deals. And he was an extra on Veep. So this one day, he's on Veep, standing there in a suit with all the extras. And one of the writers is like, hey, what's up, man? He's like, oh, good to see you. Who are you playing? He said, oh, I'm just background today. Oh, really? He's like, yeah, this whole thing happened. He's like, oh, that sucks. Halfway through the day, they come back and go, hey, we wrote you some lines in this episode. He's like, what? And they're like, yeah, we we know it's bad, so we got you a couple lines. We'll give you a bump. And he's like, that's so cool. And you didn't have to ask Julie about this? And they go, oh, no, we asked her about it. We, Of course we asked her. Nothing happens on this show without her signing off on it. But it wasn't a big deal. We told her who you were and what happened. And she went, oh, yeah, go ahead, write him apart. And then they, wrote him, they brought him back in the huh. season to do more just because they knew he's a nice guy. And I was like, that is why it's, it's one out of ten times that happens. But that's why I refuse to believe that you have to be an asshole in Hollywood. If somebody says to me it's just business, I say, fuck you. Uh Because Julie Louis-Dreyfus did not say that to him. The multi-Emmy winner who has produced her own sitcom multiple times didn't say, oh, well, you're an extra today. That's show business, kid. She went out of her way, took a few minutes out of her day to help this guy out. And I'll say again... 
uh, you know, when I was on at midnight, it was awesome. So when I heard my Vance Sanders, was, my friend Vance Sanders, was going to be on, I thought, oh my god, this is awesome. He was on just this past week. Okay. And you will, you people listening to this, most of you don't know who Vance Sanders is, and never will, because <laughs> even though Vance has been doing comedy in L.A. for over twenty years, he's a graphic designer by trade. That's what he does for a living. And he has two grown kids that are going off to college and a wife. And he's a normal dude who does comedy as a side gig. But he's done it as a side gig forever. Yeah. And he, and he used to run this open mic here at the Westwood, Westwood Brew Co. Yeah. And before there, it was other places. But it was the open mic that fucking Zach Galifianakis went to and Chris Hardwick. And these, there's a picture on his, on his uh, Facebook of like him, Hardwick. Zach, Jimmy Dore, Danielle Koenig, and all these people, because it was the longest-running open mic in L.A. for a long time. And he and Chris have known each other for a long time, and then he was like, he just bugged Chris, and Chris said, okay, I'll put you on the show. And he was on with Doug Benson and Big J Okerson, who are pretty big names, of course, especially Doug. But it was, first of all, it was hilarious. I went down there, and I watched it, and I helped out. Because he was very nervous, and I hung out with him and ate some of his food. Um, <laughs> and then Jim came down too, and so the two of us watched and supported him. It was hysterical because he and Doug were like a comedy team. Because Vance is in this sweater, he looks like an old man with gray hair and glasses, and Doug is acting like he's stoned. So they're like the old man comedy team, the you know almost like the odd couple. And they leave most of it in, but the two of them go back and forth, and it's really fucking funny. And I thought. Nobody would ever see this if not for Chris Hardwick. If not for him being a nice guy, putting mm-hmm. his friends on TV. <clears throat> and I just want to reiterate that Chris Hardwick does not have to do any of this. But Chris Hardwick doesn't have to work again ever, a day in his life. Because he's marrying the granddaughter of William Randolph Hearst. Let's be realistic. I didn't know that. Yes. She's, she's, she's doing pretty well for herself. He, yeah, all things considered. I don't think he's in a one-bedroom apartment anymore either. No, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's doing pretty well for himself. But even besides that, the fact—I mean, what he's done with his career—say what you want. You know, he even said the other day, "I'm the worst. I ruined The Walking Dead," <laughs> which was really fucking funny. But even if you hate—I've never watched one of his after shows. I think after shows in general are fucking stupid, and they're for morons who don't know what good TV is. You're so dumb, you need to watch people. That, Tell you what good television is? Fuck off. <laughs> However... Isn't that who listen to this podcast? There's a podcast! <laughs> it's not a fucking TV show, and we, just, we talk about a bunch of shows. So you're saying... We don't talk about one show every week, okay. and one episode. Jesus. But if a network, a, a basic cable network came to us and said, Paul, David, we want to make Hey Watch This a television show. I would say absolutely. Say, no way. No, I would say absolutely. We'll talk... We'll, I said, first of all, we'll keep it a podcast for free. Second of all, we'll talk about everything that's on TV. And we'll also talk about movies that we've seen and our daily lives and stupid stories about our dogs and our kids. And that's what the show would be. But if they said, hey, Paul and David, we want you to host a show called After Nashville. <laughs> I would say, go fuck yourself unless you're going to give me a zillion dollars. Otherwise, go fuck yourself. I say, I work one day a week, and I get a zillion dollars a day. That's my contract. I would do After Nashville so quick. I know you CMT would. Why Warner? wouldn't you? Oh, my God. CMT, if you're listening. <laughs> I would change What After Show wouldn't you do? Uh, I guess a show that I don't... Yeah, but what is... like? Think back to a show I made you watch that was excruciating. Um, well, there was Feed the Beast. 
that was that's in recent memory. There's got to be one a while ago that just like Nashville, you cross your fingers every week to go. Please don't make me watch that again. I I can't I can't think of really. Well, you know what? Because I have great taste in television. No, because you know what? You're about to make me watch <laughs> Big, Big Brother. Brother. <laughs> but the first episode of Big Brother isn't bad because it's all presentation. It's all everyone's on their best behavior. You're just getting to know everybody. So. I'm just doing this because towards the end of the season, when there's only a few people left, I'm going to make you watch again so you can go, oh, what happened to this guy? I thought he was nice. He's a douche. Because that's the great part of the show. After Big Brother. I bet there is something. Well, they used to have a show, House Calls is what it was on. It was online on CBS.com. And they would have people from the show come on and talk about it on the internet. That's perfectly fine on the internet. That's just a video podcast is all that is. The After Nashville show wouldn't be called Talking Nashville. It would be called Chatsville, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right? No, because that's the new rule. You've got to give it the worst name ever. Like Talking Preacher. Right. Are you fucking kidding me? You really didn't consider Preaching Preacher? (laughs) Really? Jesus Christ. Oh, and also the fact that... That's, like, the, that's the thing, is with, with AMC, like, talking has become a brand for them. Right, talking, talking and bad. Talking Dead makes sense. And Talking Bad kind of made sense. Barely. Kind of, yeah. But, but now it's a brand, so now it has to be Talking Everything. The best joke version of that I ever saw was on Comedy Bang Bang. It's Comedy Talk Talk? Yes, because <laughs> they always do fake little bits in between. Yeah. And the bit was Chris, it was actually Chris going, Hey, remember to join us afterwards at Comedy Talk Talk? <laughs> So fucking brilliant. All right, so um, are we done talking? Uh, yeah, so next week... As I said, I'm going to make David watch uh, the... We didn't say where you can find this. You can find me at Battleship Oh, Jesus, sorry, yeah. BattleshipPretension.com. Should have um, said that earlier. David at BattleshipPretension.com is my email, and I'm on Twitter at DaveyPretension. And I am, of course, at Paul Goble Show. It's because I didn't say send your trivia questions, too. That's right. why. At Paul Goble Show on the Twitter... Uh, you know, be my friend on Facebook. You can always see me at thekingoftv.com. Although my website was down today, apparently I did not pay the bill that was due yesterday. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> if I could fucking, wa- they charge me at twelve month intervals. It's, you don't have it as an once auto- a year. Automatic it was on a card that has since been oh, that happens, gone. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, I, I, I happened where suddenly I can't watch Netflix because my card got replaced or whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's just an old card, and because they only charge me once a year. Uh, that card is long gone, but I paid it, and we're we're good to go. Um, and of course, bottle. You can still listen to my show, Bottle Episode, with uh, Brock and the King. There's some good episodes. We're going to be doing some more now that he's back from E3. Oh, and you know, I talked about that girl Chelsea Davison, who was my writer on At Midnight. Uh-huh. How great she is! She's in the new Mad TV cast. Oh, good. For they her. announced the new Mad TV cast. I didn't recognize any one of them except for her. And then when I went to see Vance, she was there. I was like, that is so great. She was super nice, and she and I asked her to be a guest on Bottle Episode, and she probably will. So uh, I'm going to watch Big Brother. You want to watch The Tunnel? I want to watch The Tunnel, which is the third version of the same show. It's the it was English. a Scandinavian show first, right? Danish, right. I think. Well, it was. It's it's always on the on the border of two countries. The American one was Texas and Mexico. Yeah, the, the country of Texas. <laughs> the country Sovereign of Texas. State of Texas. The uh, original was Scandinavia and Denmark. Is well, that Scandinavia is the region? Okay, so it was Denmark and. Norway? Iceland? Norway? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't I, watch it. I can't even picture... Maybe those countries don't even touch. I can't picture a... But now a this map. is the English version. Which is... And this time, the body is found in the channel in right. between England and France. Which is pretty brilliant because... I don't know. You know, you think about Great Britain. They're all 
the same. It's like, oh, they could have easily done England and Ireland or uh, England and Wales. I'm sure there's a tunnel or a bridge or something like that. Right. But someone said no, because then you got two English people. It's fucking Law and Order UK again. <laughs> Broadchurch, it's the same shit. Let's make it another country. That's the point. Another very different country. That's the entire point, where they speak a different language. Because yeah. uh, half the show, even on the bridge, half the show is subtitled, which... You know, that's why I didn't watch the yeah. second season. Danish, Swedish. Okay. So this one, it's French and English, and the English yeah. cop is played by Stannis Baratheon. Um, yeah, uh, Stephen Delane. And, and the, he's great. And the um, French cop, uh, who also apparently is um, uh, has Asperger's, like uh, Diane Kruger's character on the bridge, is played by Clemens right. Posey. Uh, who you say is well? She's probably a, best known a, a, a famous French actress. She's probably best known in America for um, um, the Harry Potter movies. She's the French. Uh, she's the French witch. wizard. French. Well, she's witch. No, she wi- went, wizard would be Zutalor, Flutalor. Yes, yeah, right. Like uh, Merci beaucoup. On, I turn you into a clam. She was also on Gossip Girl for a little bit. <laughs> All right. So, and you can watch those. Uh, the bridge, the original bridge, I think, is on Netflix. And the second bridge, I'm sure, is available somewhere. Hulu or... Yeah. I mean, it's an FX show, but it's old. So I'm sure it's available somewhere. They're fucking great. Uh, I didn't watch the first one. I heard it was great. But the bridge is amazing. Dan Kruger's great in it. And, of course, other great actors. So that's what we're watching next week. And, um, you know, also, if you have some chance, watch Take My Fife, please. I think that's on Crackle. <laughs> I think they're showing old episodes of Take My Fife, please, on Crackle. And anything else people should watch? Oh, they should watch this. 